Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Salinas, my kind of town. Welcome to Life in Salina, your official community podcast of Salina, Texas. On every episode, we celebrate and share the stories that connect our community. We want to inspire you to live life connected. This is Life in Salina. Welcome to this episode of Life in Salina, the official community podcast of Salina, Texas, telling the story of this community through the stories of the people who live and work here. My name is Drew Myers. We are recording at the Little Wooden Penguin. Appreciate Katie and Taylor allowing us to set up shop and do what we do. And it is my honor and privilege to sit down with Brenda and Eric Spencer. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, great. Thank you. We've been talking for about 20 minutes before we hit record on this thing, and they've got one heck of a story. Now, let me say this. We've been doing this podcast for more than three years now, and we've brought people on this podcast that have lived in Salina for a really long time, but I love talking to people who just got here, and you guys didn't just get here, but we decided that it's been 366 days since you got here, right, Brenda? Yep. Tell people how you remembered that. Uh, Valentine's Day yesterday was my son's first day of school, and we rolled in and had him enrolled in school, and showed up to Valentine's Day with his cards in hand, and he started his first day at Odell Elementary. Okay, so what I love about that story, she's going to expand upon that story in just a minute, was her son, Noah, didn't know anybody in the class because he had never been to the school before. He just made, had some Valentines, those little Valentines you buy at like Walgreens, right? Target, right? And it just said, from Noah. No classmates name because he didn't know any of his classmates. That's a cool part of the story. But tell the part of the story about when you tried to walk him to class. So we were excited and probably a little bit nervous. And we walked in. Noah had never been to a public school before. And so we walked in and the secretary greeted us. And um, she's so sweet. And we walk in and I'm excited. And I'm like, hi. And all of a sudden, I see all these people coming up to me, like a sheriff, a police officer. I don't know what he is, the school police guy and another gentleman. And the the secretary kind of walks back around the office and they all kind of surround me. And I just get excited. Like, I love Texans. They're just so (laughs) sweet. And I'm like, hi, how are you guys? We're here. And they... um, graciously kind of took me over to the side and they said, ma'am, what, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm taking Noah to class. And they were like, oh, that's so cute. Come on in the office. We need to get your ID. And we just don't do that here. And I was like, wait, wait a second. What do you mean? They're like, we protect our kids. And I think in that moment, Noah kind of looked at me like, mom, you're crazy. And I just thought, oh my gosh, we are absolutely in the right place where these people just love and protect our kids. So we need to say at this point that they moved to Salina from Seattle, kind of, because there is a two-year window in there of an incredible journey that you guys went on as a family, and we're going to talk about that. But I want to talk about this before we get into the next question. You've been in Texas for 366 days. 
Okay. I love that you guys roll in here. Both are rocking the boots. <laughs> Eric, you have a longhorn on your chest, and Brenda has a Hey Cowboy shirt on. You guys have embraced this Texas yes. culture with both arms. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think I, that was not conscious. I did not even put that together, but you're right. That's, that's just that's where we are now. Yeah. Okay, so let's rewind. You're living in Seattle, Washington. Eric, you're working for Boeing. Yep. Yeah, I was working for the big Boeing company. I'd worked there for 23 years, and I had worked in uh, quite quite a few different uh, roles within the Boeing company and traveled all around the country and parts of the world for that as well. Um, and I just reached the point, I mean, to be really candid, uh, for anybody that's familiar with it, the Lion Air crashes that had happened during that time on the 737s. And, um, and I was in a pretty influential role in the company at that time, and I was very disappointed in how we were handling that as a company. And so for me, corporate had reached its end. It's not something I wanted to be a part of any longer. And uh, COVID had came upon us at the same time. So that had kind of just shut down everything everywhere. And it kind of allowed us, I guess, as a family, every family unit at that time came together, didn't go out and they spent dinners together. And you spent a lot more time uh, kind of reprioritizing what your values really were. And I think we came to a point to realize, like, I didn't want to work corporate anymore. Uh, we also had a side business uh, as a general contractor. And we had said, it's time to do things differently. Well, we can. And so that's where we had decided at that point we are going to back off and uh, sell our house and hit the road and go camping. <laughs> Two years of living in a camper, essentially, traveling the entire United States. Brenda, you told me you sold your house in 45 minutes in Seattle. Boom, it's gone. Yeah. Everything aligned. Everything was falling into place for you guys to go on this adventure. Kind of talk me through that, what that looked like, what that felt like, maybe even some of the really cool places that you guys went. Yeah. Um, it seems like kind of a whirlwind when we look back at it because Eric, like he mentioned, he was kind of ready to go um, from Boeing and I was absolutely not. Um, I'm not adventurous. I like to eat the same thing. I liked my house. We had our son there. That was the first house we bought together and I thought we would die there. <laughs> my parents lived 10 minutes away. Um, my brother lived a few minutes away. And so we um, really made a conscious choice to just do things differently at that point. And I had to really kind of put my big girl pants on and say like, okay, this is an adventure I, I, I do want to take. I was very, very nervous. Um, and we thought, okay, well, there was lots of different scenarios that were playing out. And for us, I said to Eric, okay, well, if we can make double what we paid for our house, then I'll sell it. And I never thought that that was going to happen. I was like a hundred percent sure. I was like, that's a good safety net. Like who makes double on their house? And so um, it was double and then some. And within 45 minutes, we had over asking prices on our house. It was wild. And um, it, it was a couple months. I think it was within two months we were up and ready to go. We had been a family that camped a lot. So we had done, I think seven or eight weeks was like our longest trip in a camper, the three of us. That's and so, still a long time yeah, for most people, yeah. right? For sure. Um, but we loved it. Like we kept extending it out. Like we were like, how much longer can we go? We just really knew that that's something we love to do as a family. And, um, Living in a camper is definitely different than going seven or eight weeks. So um, we did have a small storage unit that we left at home, some, some things in. But other than that, we just really packed up and went for it. And it sounds so silly right now, even saying this out loud, but like we really had no plan. Like I committed to nine or 10 months and we were going to go back the following year. And I kept telling people we're going to go back and then things are going to be normal. That's what's going to happen. Like everything's going to be normal in like six or seven months and we'll go back and COVID will be over and all that is going to be done. Well, once we got on the road, I think we just found we had quit our jobs. Um, we made great money, so we were able to kind of live, which we now know that that 
was such a huge blessing because we're really, we're missing that. Even though we love being here so much, that was um, just a season in our life. So anyways, started out not going to every state. Like that was not our goal ever. We, Eric and I had been to lots of states. Our son had been to a handful. Um, but once we started, we just fell in love with national parks and meeting new people. We did this thing called Harvest Host, which was so fun. You go patron small businesses like Littlewood and Penguin could do it. You pull in, you patron the business, you stay on their property for free um, for a night or two, and then you just patron their, their business. You meet other campers, you meet other people that are doing this. You had mentioned earlier, like, there's a few people that have done this. I've heard of this. It's a thing. It's like, it's a full movement. People live in their campers and do it, and do it well. Yeah, I, I think I'll comment to that, just that it was unfathomable in a sense to think that we would be those people. We were such hard workers and such career-driven people that incorrectly, I kind of thought, oh, that's for people that are kind of bums. You don't go stay in your camper and live like that <laughs> so for weird. years. And But I, I think that uh, when we got out there, it was absolutely amazing. The amount of people that we met that were working professionals and great careers, but they were just living life in a different way. And there's something about when you pull into a campsite, and I, I honestly think this is much like our experience with Texas so far, at least Salina, because we don't know all of Texas. But when you pull into a campsite, you break bread with your neighbor that night. You sit around a campfire, you have a drink, you talk, you get to know each other. Where we came from back in Washington, you may not know your neighbor for two to three years. You know, people just go in the house and yeah, you may <laughs> never get to know them. And, and there was something about that community that we absolutely had loved. And that's the type of thing too that I think it set the tone for us of what we wanted in our life for our son growing up and for the rest of our life together as a family. Uh, we wanted that community. And to go back where you said we didn't really have a plan, our only plan was that we were going to have an East Coast summer. That was the total plan. Like, let's get out. Let's do the Cape Cod. Let's spend our summer out on the East Coast. And maybe we'll find ourselves somewhere after that. Because it was quickly about uh, our first stop. I know I'm jumping around a little bit. Our first stop was we went from Washington to San Diego. We're like, we're stopping in San Diego. Spent 10 days down by the border down there. And we sat in that sunshine in November. And we're like, why are we rushing back to Washington? I mean, like there's sunshine, there's other places. And so that caused us to start thinking a little bit differently about maybe going back home. What was the coolest place that you guys went? Now, let me yeah. just say this before you answer that question. We will eventually get to how they ended up in Salina because that's For a sure. great that's story. That's the best right? part. I mean, this is Life in Salina. This yeah. is the Salina's community podcast. But I'm so intrigued by this journey <laughs> that you guys went on. Where's the coolest place that you went? Maybe your favorite and maybe even Noah's favorite. Yeah, I think all three of us have different favorites. Noah would tell you his favorite is New York City and Texas, which is kind of hilarious. He loves a big city. Um, I think he was just enamored with New York um, for whatever reason. Eric and I were less interested. Obviously, we had been there a few times, but he loved New York City. I always tell people like my top five. I loved, we're big hikers and bikers. I love Utah. There's no other place like it. It just is so unique. Being from the Northwest, um, the Red Rock and the mountains were just like incredible. We both loved Maine. We had, that's a podcast for another time, um, but we absolutely loved Maine. I think there's just so much history. It's rich in culture. Um, we love the water. And so Maine was like high on our list. And then for me, people are always surprised by this, but Louisiana was probably number three on my list. Like and, someplace specific in Louisiana? Um, I just loved Louisiana. Um, we, I, we went, we did Mardi Gras. We did um, on a very low scale <laughs> Um, for those because you had a ten year old, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get you. But we brought them, and we did the king cake, and we did the all the things, and we just, I just loved the culture. And we went to the plantations. We yeah. learned so much about our history, and just so many things that I just I hadn't experienced before. And then the food, like, oh my gosh, like I think I had just never 
experienced food like that before, and I was just in heaven. Well, I'll, before Eric gives me his answer, <laughs> yeah. I agree. New Orleans is one of my favorite places on the planet. Really? I okay, love it. I love it's, that. it's so different. You, you think you're in a different country. I don't know. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a million places sure. that you love, right? But yeah. What was your what favorite, Eric? Yeah. Well, I'm just hearing what she's saying here, but there, there will be a common theme, I think, throughout this podcast <laughs> about people. Um, but for, for me, uh, my favorite was Maine. Um, one is she said, I, I'm a water person, which is my only struggle in Texas, you know? Um, but, but to be out there and to see the, just the nautical with the, the ships and the fishermen, the ports and lobster and seafood. And, and we had an experience out there just, as she said, it'd be a whole nother story, but the short of it was there's a, foundation which is called Rees Across America and for any listener I encourage them to go out and, and listen to it because for me it aligns a lot with Texas and its patriotism yes, but love it. <laughs> Rees Across America uh, we had met the owners uh, just kind of randomly out there that day in the middle of nowhere small out Maine and uh, they are the people when you look at pictures on national TV magazines where they put the Rees on Arlington National Cemetery for the fallen soldiers to remember them and they are actually everywhere uh, 3,000 cemeteries across the world. They even go uh, to Normandy Beach and put out wreaths for fallen soldiers as well. And so we had got connected with that family and just spent days, I don't know if it was three, three days on the first trip, I think, uh, just getting to know them personally and everything that they're about. And it just really struck a deep core, I think, in us for what our country is, their patriotism, the soldiers and the fallen soldiers. Uh, they're not even military people themselves, but they just respect so much what the soldiers have done for our country. And so uh, that one hit us pretty deep, so deep that after we left, we went back two weeks later, left from upstate New York and drove 14 hours back to go visit them again for some big event they had. So we spent more time. And so I encourage people to look at Reeds Across America. Uh, so yeah, Maine, Maine was probably my favorite. And there's even little ones, you know, there was parts of... South Dakota that you're just like, wow, I could, I could live here, you know, and there's just a lot of places that just kind of struck us. I actually spent some time in uh, South Carolina. Well, Brenda, lots of friends came and visited while we were out traveling and her and her friend were off and I started looking for houses around uh, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, just out of curiosity. So the only places I had looked was Charleston and Texas here, but Charleston quickly fell through. Okay. Well, that's a good segue yeah. into how you ended up in Texas, specifically Salina. Texas was always, I felt, for me, from the time I was very young, the state that I felt like I belonged in. Why? Uh, I think the patriotism. Um, I'll tell you a fun story. Brenda Priority knows where this is going, but I just, to me, it speaks to Texas. Uh, I was living over on the West Coast, and I had bought a car randomly, quickly without looking at it, on eBay. And I had to go pick it up in Texas. So I flew out to Texas, pick up this car, and I'm driving back, and I'm doing 93 and a 70 on the highway. State patrolman pulls me over, uh, takes me to the small town in Eastland, Texas. Uh, he says, hey, we have a hard time getting you guys from out of state to pay your fines, so I'm going to take you to court right now. I'm like, great, let's go. You know. And so we went in there. The fire chief, who was also the judge, sat down and just kind of read, read through everything for me. He said, how do you plead? And I said, well, not guilty. And, and the 
state patrolman just about fell off his desk. He's like, how can you plead not guilty? You know? And I said, well, I'm not going to plead guilty. You know, I want to do the trial. And I said, I also want a jury in another town because you're also the fire chief and, and the judge. So I want to make sure I have a fair trial. So they're like, okay, fine, pay your bell and we'll, we'll get back to you. Paid my bell, took off. It had been a year and I had not heard from them. And, and law was just kind of an interest to me. So I had uh, got hold of the prosecuting attorney for the state of Texas. And I said, Hey, you violated my rights under the sixth amendment. It's been full year now. Uh, for a quick and speedy trial, I have not had my trial. And he said, well, he goes, this is Texas. We see ourselves as a sovereign nation. We don't really see <laughs> abide to the Sixth Amendment. I'm like, that's incredible. I'm like, it's a violation of the 14th Amendment, but that's incredible. And that's what I love about Texas. I love that they just think like that. This is a state that protects its people, that cares about its people, that cares about its values and everything that it is. And, and I was in the military. And so for me, I think that Texas is just something that it, I, I resonate with that just at the core of me embodies the things that I value and appreciate as well. So, so I was always drawn to Texas and it told we Brenda. We were not married at this point. And no, no, had we have been, yeah. he would yeah. have paid graciously yeah. and we would have moved on. I was very, he was very, very young. single and yeah, very young. Yeah, very young. <laughs> Let's be clear. Uh, but so we wanted to make one last trip through Texas. We had gone through quite a few areas of Texas and we just didn't find the place as much as we wanted to be in Texas. We didn't find the place that felt like home to us. And we went to a lot of small towns, we went to a lot of big cities, and no place felt like home. No offense to Houston, Texas, and Austin, Texas. <laughs> no. we'll, we'll call them out. We'll call them out on here. It's okay, we're yeah. in Dallas, Fort yes. Worth. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's we covered right. a lot of ground. <laughs> we yeah. did, yeah. So I told her I wanted to go back through Texas before we brought this journey to an end. Like, let's give it one more shot. And so I think she had went through on Pinterest or something, identified maybe 10 cute towns that you had to go visit. And uh, we came, checked into an RV park in Wiley, Texas, mm -hmm. and we started doing our rounds, going to all the all these towns. And uh, I think we actually picked Wiley because it was near a church that we wanted to go visit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah, what brought us back to the yeah this area. Yep, Anyways, yep. and um, <clears throat> so I think it was honestly our last town of the day. It was about 6 p.m., and we were driving into McKinney, Texas. And even as we're driving in McKinney, Texas, on this back road of nothingness, we've seen so many highways on our travels. Um, I was getting this feeling like, gosh, this kind of feels like the right thing. And as soon as we drove into downtown. You said that, I think, I actually. Did, way before we even saw the town. Yeah. I said, this, there's something about this one that feels right. And then we got into town, and I started just seeing the town and saying, this is it. And I'm like, let's get out. And I got Noah to get out and eventually convinced Brenda to get out. And we started walking around town and we really felt connected with it. But I think we continue to hit more areas. Yeah, I think we, I think we thought McKinney was as big as Salina is right now. Like we had kind of walked around the little downtown area. I mean, how could you not love it? We went to Hutchins. It was 75 degrees out. We were just like, I mean, the people, everything about it was just like dreamy. And we actually, I think that day or the next day, we met with a real estate agent and we yeah. looked at a house downtown McKinney. We were like, we just want to see like what it's like. And then he actually started talking about, oh, well, this school or this school. And we're like, how many schools? And I think he said something like 14 or something like elementary schools. And we were like, eh, this is not for us. It was bigger and than so you thought. It yeah. was way bigger than we thought. Like we just, we thought it was, a, you know, that was like the big town right there. And then that was it. Um, and so, you know, it, everything is just like you said, we had been to so many little towns. I mean, in every single state we, at that point we had been to every state except for Hawaii. And so, um, 
I think that night, so that night we came to Salina, right? Didn't we drive through that night? Yeah, so we went to McKinney, we drove through Salina, and we just were like, oh my gosh, we got out and we stood in front of that Meyer grocery store um, that's abandoned, and I was like, what could we put in here? Like, I'm sure they'll want us to put something in here. <laughs> Eric kind of made me a dreamer a little bit, I think, on this trip, which was not something I had previously done. So we walked around the town, and we just thought, oh my gosh, this is like just... Well, so the town square gets you. The music yeah. in the town square, like, <laughs> I was like, this is a thing. Like, this yeah. is just so cute. And so at that point, we were like, okay, we're just going to keep looking. We had gone to a bunch of other towns, and um, we knew we loved McKinney. We knew we loved Salina. And at that point, my cousins, um, who had never been to Texas, they had no real reason to even inquire about Texas or anything, had called us and said, hey, are you guys looking at moving to Texas? And we we're kind of like, how'd you know that? And so we had this whole conversation. One thing led to another and they said, well, we're actually going to be relocating and we're going to buy a house. It's either going to be in McKinney or it's going to be in Salina. And if you guys want to go live in this house for a few months while you guys decide and figure out what you're going to do, no strings attached. They didn't even charge us rent. No. And they were like, just go and do that. And when we buy the house, we'll let you know if you guys want to do it, move out of your camper and figure out what we're going to do. But just for clarification, this is yeah. all pure coincidence. There was no pre-conversation. Nobody no. had talked about Texas. We hadn't even told moved. my parents or Nobody anything knew that anything. we were moving. Yeah. And randomly, out of all the places in the entire country yes. that you could pick... We're all looking at the same town. Yeah. And so they picked Salina. They bought a house in... Sight unseen. Yeah. Sight unseen. They still had at that point, neither one of them had been to Texas. So, um, and their jobs were remote jobs. So they were just going to come after the kids were done with school. And that was in February. They bought the house the next day. We went in and I was like, okay, this thing needs to be painted. We got it painted. Eric went back to Washington, got our stuff out of our storage unit and Noah enrolled in school the next day. And at that point, I mean, it, we, we fell in love with even that neighborhood. We're like, how are we going to leave this neighborhood? We loved it so much. I mean, we, we pulled in and all of a sudden people start walking out of their houses and they're like, hi, how you, how y'all doing? And we're just like, oh my gosh, is this real life? Like and they're all just, calling you yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And oh, and they said, um, they said, that's the thing. It's, it's yes, ma'am. No, ma'am here. And I was like, okay, wait, like, um, for the adults too. And she was like, yes, ma'am. And I was like, got it. Okay. We're good. And, and then I wasn't there for the conversation, oh. but apparently the conversation was we keep each other's kids in check. Yeah. Yeah. Like when your kid gets out of line, like we're going to just, you know, help them along. And we expect you to do the same. And we were like, yes, we love this. I mean, it was just like, Eric and I both say that it was very reminiscent of how we grew up. It just kind of brought us back to a time and a space that was like comfortable for us, how and where we wanted to raise our son. And so from there... Did you know at that point that you would be moving to Salina as 100%. well? 100%. Okay. So McKinney's out now. We're all yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, they, they had said that. They threw it out there. And then within a couple of days, they were like, okay, we bought the house. And we were like, yeah. wait, what? This is kind of unbelievable. But it all happened so fast. And then because of that, we were just naturally here in Salina and, you know, just down the street. And we were going into the square every breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think we ate it at, like, toasted walnut, tender... Um, the Mexican, you know, yeah. we just kind of, Lucy, you know, we're just kind of going around eating downtown. We just loved the downtown area. And we looked at houses. So then right away, we started looking for houses in Salina because we knew that obviously we weren't going to live at my cousin's house and we had to get out of the trailer. We were like, okay, we're going to be normal now, right? Noah's in school. We need to find jobs, you know, the whole thing. So at that point, we um, got their house ready for them to move in and helped kind of get their affairs in order here. And 
we moved downtown Salina into a rental um, out on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I might have convinced you to do this, but we'd go I'm sit sure out. We go sit out <laughs> on the front porch every morning with our coffee, and we would talk to the neighbors as they walked by, and we would just watch because we were a block from downtown, so you could just watch the traffic and the people go through. Yeah. And we were like, we want to live downtown. We don't want to live anywhere else. Uh, this living downtown embodies the Salina. And that's not to say that the communities outside probably don't have their own culture and feel to it too. But when you're downtown and you get to walk into all the events and the way we engage with, like you said, uh, it was mentioned earlier when we were talking to people that we live in the old people part of town. <laughs> so we know all the, the people that have been here there for so long and they tell too. us the stories and they all know each other and, you know, and, and they do, they look out for each other and we're just so happy with our neighbors where we live, you know, and we didn't have that where we were at before. And, and, you know, and it, one thing that we love too, and we even drove through here and this part shocked me and I hope it never goes away but to see a nine-year-old kid drive a golf cart into town (laughs) and I'm not talking about my kid I'm talking about just kids (laughs) driving around on golf carts downtown I'm like I love this this is so great and they were so respectful they pull up to the stoplight and they stop and they wait for the cars to go and the kids just drive through and I stopped a couple the other day just I'm like how are you guys and they're like second grade third grade I'm like this is incredible you know and so I don't know there's just something different about it and town that as you as you mentioned just reflects where we grew up as kids and uh, we love being downtown whether we walk it or golf cart it or whatever it's it's nice to be this close and feel like you're in the the heart of the city eric you said something earlier you said this is going to keep coming up yeah the, the people my takeaway from all of this and correct me if i'm wrong not to say where you lived in seattle this didn't exist but it sounds like you found it on the road for those two years traveling across the country, but you found it here in Salina as well. You found community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. And it was a requirement when we traveled. I told Brenda, I said, I want to be a place where we have a 4th of July parade. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be a place where the town can come together. We can be a part of it. And uh, our son got here and he signed up for Pee Wee Tackle Football as soon as he got here. Oh, you have to, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. He actually came home and said, my friend Tyler told me that if I want to be a true Texan, that I got to play football. And I said, oh, good, we'll sign you up for flag football then. That'll be great. He's never even thrown a football. And he said, Mom, if I want to be a true Texan, it's going to be tackle football. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that was the first, after the first day of school? Uh, yeah, for, I mean, the first week, yeah, because we signed up pretty quickly. And that kid showed up for Texas football. Yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, he didn't cry. He didn't puke. And they were doing two-a-days. 106 degrees. 100 and something, yeah, yeah. in full gear. Yeah. And this kid was, what, nine at the time? Wild. Yeah. yeah. I tell great. people all the time, people are not kidding about Texas football. It, well, everything they yeah. say is And true. for anybody <laughs> who doesn't live in Salina that listens to this too, I mean, it was, so I, I helped coach, not that I knew anything, but I just wanted to be we there with my son. We just wanted to make sure yeah. our son didn't die. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm out there on the sides, sidelines with him. We start hearing these rumors about how the whole town shuts down on homecoming. People don't go to school, business is shut down, and you got to get your floats and to find out that our son was going to be on a float and that cheerleaders were going to give him gifts. (laughs) And he was so enamored by this whole concept of just like to go out on a float as a nine-year-old in uniform, cowboy hats, and ride through town. He was just like... I've arrived. I even asked him the other night. I'm like, do, do you love living in Texas? He's like, absolutely. He's so happy here. So <laughs> That is so yeah. funny. I love it. It's pretty cute. Okay, so you've lived here just over a year. And you told me some things that you loved about the community. You loved the music on the square. You loved how you were surrounded by security guards at the school. <laughs> yes. you, you talked about living downtown and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
Is there anything else that you guys have fallen in love with in Salina in the last 366 days? Well, I mean, I think we said that we ended up buying downtown. So we love our street. We love our neighbors. We love mm-hmm. the, um, you know, Noah can walk to school. And right Eric can walk to pick him up. I heard you. He know walks that. to yeah. pick him up. We let him go into town. He rides his bike into the candy store. Sometimes I follow behind him, but you know, it feels, um, and, and not to say that, like you said, other places don't have certain dynamics of this, but, um, I feel safe. Like Eric travels and I feel safe at home. I feel like I can trust my neighbors. Um, I, I think this is something funny too. Noah. So you know how the kids at school, they get those like little fundraiser things and he brings this little thing home. They're selling butter braids. And, um, I, you know, unlike Eric is not a rule follower. I'm like, okay, if you get it, like you have to go out and you have to go door to door and you have to sell these things. And so Noah's like, mom, we're going to go out and we're going to sell, you know, we got to sell these things. And he's like, do I really have to do it? Or can I call grandma and grandpa and just have them buy? And I was like, absolutely not. Like you're going door to door. Like that's how, that's what we did when we were little. You're going to do that. So we go across the street and, um, (laughs) he knocks on the door and our neighbor across who we hadn't met yet. And she's an elderly lady and she opens her door and she just welcomes Noah right in her house. She says, oh, come on in. It's so hot out. Come on in. And Noah turns around and looks at me like, am I seriously going in this lady's house? And I was like, go in. And I'm thinking like, did I just make the right choice? Like, am I like, what's going to happen here? And 20 minutes goes by and I'm just still kind of waiting outside thinking like, oh Lord, what have I done? And sure enough, a few minutes later, she opens the door and she's like, oh, you should have came in, mom. I didn't know you were waiting. Noah's just so polite. And he was visiting. And I just thought, Again, it was one of those moments where I was just like, oh my gosh, and not to be naive and not to say that like things can't happen, right? But like my gut just, I was like, okay, this is good. This is fine. This is our neighbor. And she was just the sweetest gal. And we just ended up visiting after that. But I think it's things like that that continue to happen that just reassures us that we're in the right place for our family. And it's just a strong sense of community. Yeah, you can find, we've talked about this, you can find community anywhere in the world. Right? You can build your community, you can have your circles, and you can have great relationships. But this is a time of influence and impression on our child. Mm-hmm. And we were in a place where we were probably even overly protective. Uh, we didn't let them go out too far. You know, We just didn't trust our surroundings. And now we're in a place where I'm like, go, buddy. Get on your bike and just go. You know, And go, go do what you want to do. Go meet people, whatever. You know, And that means everything because that's going to that's gonna help him in life become the man that he needs to become. And these values, these neighbors, the people that speak into his life, we wouldn't be here if this place didn't embody so much of that and even personalities. And we're, we're shifting, right? Because we came out of a place where it was a much faster pace and we need to learn to slow down. We need to learn to talk to our neighbors longer <laughs> and mm-hmm. people at the stores, you know, and in the lines and the checkouts and things where, you know, you read on this line of page too, you know, where the young man prayed with the older lady in the checkout line, you know, and, and these are the things where we need to slow down too, because I, I don't want to see this change. I don't know that's a lot of the communities feel even here too, as people like us move in. And I think it's very important, you know, that we've decided we have to remain vocal and the PTAs be involved and keep this town what this town is so that our son can be raised in a place that embodies what we want. And if he decides to stay here, he can raise his kids in the same place. So we know it's growing and it's changing fast, but we'll try and keep it as much of the town it is now as we can i have two more questions for you guys as we close down this podcast and thanks for doing this i really appreciate it question number one is characterize the people in salina i've asked several people that have come on the show that question but i want to get it from somebody that's quote unquote new in this community kind i I mean i guess that's just like the the i guess that's the first word that comes to mind i think it's just refreshing 
yeah, I don't know. I guess what about you? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably use the word sincere. And I think mm-hmm. that's um, been reflective. And, you know, one of our first walks around town, we were just walking by the museum and we're peeking our eyes in, you know, mm-hmm. trying to see what's this museum about. And the lady pops out and she's like, come in, come in, you know, and drags us into the museum. We go <laughs> look around. And next thing we know, we're, we're meeting all these people from town that, of course, know her and they come in to visit her. And then she introduces us to them. And, you know, there's the sincerity of relationship community that's just that's the profound that you're like oh this this is a re- the real deal this isn't just something you get up in the morning and you wear and you take it off when you get home this is the real deal and and i see it repeatedly too when people just show up whether it's the pizza place flooded or a neighbor needs something or whatever it is you see it all over on the salina facebook page and strangers come meet strangers to meet their needs so i think there's a sincerity mm-hmm. that carries people through that yeah I think for me too, it, yeah, it just makes me want to like rise to the occasion almost, you know, like I think I'm a very fast paced person and I think that, um, it does make you just want to kind of slow down and, and take life a little easier. And it's just, even though it's not in my nature, it feels refreshing to me. Last question. Yeah. Because we visited before we hit record on this, I can ask this question. It didn't come up during the actual conversation. You guys have a strong faith. Yeah. Could you imagine going on the journey that you went on, quitting your jobs, buying a camper, or mm-hmm. moving into a camper, traveling to 49 of the yeah. 50 states. Oh, we did go to Hawaii. We didn't say that. Once, we, <laughs> oh, okay. once yeah. A couple of weeks after we moved here, we bought plane tickets. We did not go on the camper, and we let Noah have his, his last state. So Noah's been We've every been state. Hawaii. That's cool. State. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ending up in Texas, ending yeah. up in Salina, could you imagine doing that, going on that journey without your faith? No. 100%. No, I mean, that is the only reason why we're here. And I don't think I said this. I think I said this to you, but maybe again, not in this. But as Eric was considering laying down his career and our business, he said, honey, I just want you to pray about this and, you know, just think about it, pray about it. And I was like, nope, God says no. Um, obviously, I didn't pray about it. And I did one of those nights and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I woke up and Eric knows like it is only God. The only reason why we're here is because of God, because I woke up and I just had a peace. Like we can do this. Um, my husband has always been resourceful and, um, there's no reason why I have to fear any of this. Um, and I do genuinely believe that the Lord went before us every single step of the way and led us to a place where our marriage can thrive, where our son can thrive, where we can live out our faith, where we can even have a conversation like this with a perfect stranger about our faith and um, about what God's done in our life. So I think both of us are just so thankful for that. Yeah. And there was a, there was a moment before we were leaving our town back in Washington state and uh, we were at our church, which uh, we loved our church. We loved our community there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was something that needed to happen. It was time to go and just change the lifestyle, I guess. And uh, one of the pastors there uh, was just praying over us as we got ready to leave. And and he said, oh, I just, I, I see, you know, God working this out that you two get to work together. And I don't know if we looked at each other or not. We're like, not a chance. That would never happen, no. you know. No, thank you. And we're, we're seeing no means to this at all, you know. But when you even look at that path that we went on over that time and ended up here and, you know, her cousins being here. And then we had other friends in that same week. They're like, we're moving to Frisco. And it's yeah. like, how would you guys pick Frisco? Like, I don't know. Like our best Why friends. Yeah. yeah. Same people from our small group at our church. And yeah. So it was really random. And then and then, yeah, now we're working together day in, day out, you know, brought a company to McKinney and 
you look at those and there's like, there's no way all these things could have played out. Mm -hmm. They were laid out before us and we had to walk in them and, you know, so yeah, it's when you know more and more of the story, it's like, okay, someone else is at the helm here. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a crazy story. Like I said, out of the gate, so many layers from your cousin to the nationwide trip to just all of these things. But one thing that we didn't talk about, tell people when you guys started traveling around, what you guys would do on a weekly basis, you'd put no in the camper, you guys would get in the truck and do what? (laughs) Tell them. Because I think this is so cool. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's funny. So we started doing counseling um, and marriage counseling and we had done it before, but and I, I joke, but it's, it's true. I don't know. I'll just be, I'm just very transparent, but I think people do marriage counseling when they're on the brink of divorce. <laughs> and so you're like, it's like you're, you're hail Mary. It's like your last option. Right. And we had just made a conscious decision that, you know, we had the money to do it. We had the time to do it. And we, more importantly, we had the time to dispense, to do the work that was going to come out of that. And so, um, we got a recommendation from somebody to do some, everyone was doing online, everything, right? Zoom, like it was just totally a thing. And so we got ourselves a counselor and we invested and um, it was hard. I mean, like that kind of stuff is never like super enjoyable in the moment, but I think we both came out of it just thankful that we had dispensed the time and energy to do that. And yeah, we would set Noah up and he would do his school and we would do our counseling and, um, would take time to pray together and walk together and invest and, and digest everything that we had just talked about. And so I think when you do slow down, whether it's, you know, going on a two year trip together in a camper or move to a place like this, where it's a little bit slower pace, um, you're able to invest in the things that are important. And so for us, that was something that was, yeah, I I think that's, even a sum of everything that we had had done and experienced and took away from it. Um, It's very important to be intentional, you know, and for us to intentionally decide that we are going to invest in our marriage, to be intentional, to say, we're going to cut time out to make sure that we go coach football or soccer here in the next few weeks or whatever it is to spend time with our son. I mean, those years are going fast and, Mm -hmm. and then everything we do, you know, to be intentional, to slow down, to get to know our neighbor more, to be intentional, to, figure out what type of business do we want to create and what people do we want to bring into it. You know, those, those things will pay off so much in how much our life for us, uh, I don't want to say meant, but it's richness. By being more intentional, we can enrich in even what we get out of this time we have. Yeah. I mentioned to you um, beforehand that I'm a speaker, and I've mm-hmm. stood in front of many audiences, and I tell people, this is how you live a bold, adventurous, mm-hmm. and intentional yeah. life. You guys live a bold, adventurous, and intentional <laughs> life, and I love it. I think it's so fantastic. Thank you guys yeah. for doing this. I really appreciate it. Brenda and Eric Spencer, quote-unquote, new to Salina, <laughs> Texas, now call Salina, Texas, home. Yeah. Really appreciate the conversation, and I just... I'm excited to see what's next in this community for you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to the Little Wooden Penguin for allowing us to do what we do. My name is Drew Myers. I'll be right back. That's going to do it for this episode of Life in Salina. So many great stories in this community. I loved my conversation with Eric and Brenda Spencer. I know I said this several times during our conversation, but so many layers to their story and the climax they now call Salina, Texas home. That conversation exemplifies what we're doing on this podcast, telling the story of Salina through the stories of the people who live and work here. Nothing more, nothing less, no agenda. That's what I love about this podcast. That's what keeps bringing me back for more. And hopefully that's what keeps bringing you back for more. 
always appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully by this point you've subscribed to the podcast. If you haven't, it's super easy. Listen to me. Go to your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, and just search Life in Salina. All the past episodes are going to come up. All you have to do is hit that subscribe button. It's free, and you will be notified every time we release a new episode of Life in Salina. If you like what we're doing, please share the show, rate the show, leave us a comment. All of those things help us grow this show into what we want it to become. We want people in Salina listening to this podcast on a regular basis, and we want people outside of Salina to listen and say, hey, I've got to check that place out. Whether it's an event or maybe they're looking to relocate. Our shadow mission with this podcast is to remind you guys what an amazing place Salina, Texas is. Before we get out of here, a huge thanks to the Little Wooden Penguin. Once a month, we set up shop and record episodes of Life in Salina. Thanks again to Brenda and Eric Spencer. Thanks again to you guys. Have the day that you deserve. I'm your host, Drew Myers. This has been another episode of Life in Salina, the official community podcast of Salina, Texas. See ya. Bye. Salina's my kind of Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.